Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. Hello and welcome to the show tonight. I'm so glad you chose to join us. Tonight the topic is the transformation and our guest tonight is Dr. James Gordon. Now the transformation is the name of his latest book and the full title of the book is The Transformation, Discovering Wholeness and Healing After Trauma. But before we bring James on, I just want to touch on the notion of the the exalted self or the opulent self or the perhaps the cliche, the enlightened self, the jubilant self, the happy self, the joyful self. In our culture, it's so easy to see the face of struggle, confusion, frustration, and worry on the human element. We see it every day as we go out into society. But we're living in different times now. You're listening to a show that talks about the transformation of trauma. What is the possibility of listening to a show about the transformation of trauma 200 years ago? 200 years is a blink of an eye in the genetic tree of humanity. It's it's an instantaneous flash. But just like this episode tonight and the hundreds of other episodes we've done on this show, we can bring resources to you to help you heal your own persona, your own sense of self. I suggest you this next chapter of our human story. We're going to see people who develop a resolution within themselves, a strong, deep desire to know what's possible. What's possible on the flip side of struggle? What's possible on the flip side of pain? What's possible on the flip side of heartache? What would joy look like? What would happiness look like? What would success, opulence, prosperity? If it spread throughout society and became more the norm than the exception. Certainly, there's people that are transforming themselves today. It's quite evident. Radio shows like this give you an opportunity to transform yourself. And whether or not you take action on those opportunities will decide whether or not it has an impact on you. And here you are. Bravo. I applaud you for joining us. You've taken action and and you're exposing yourself to new opportunities tonight. And I celebrate that. So I think we're going to have a delightful conversation tonight. I think it's time to get to it. Again, the topic tonight is the title of Dr. James Gordon's latest book, The Transformation, Discovering Wholeness and Healing After Trauma. Dr. Gordon is the founder and executive director of the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in Washington, D.C., where he has created and implemented what may well be the world's largest and most effective program for healing population-wide trauma. Dr. Gordon is a Harvard-educated psychiatrist, former researcher at the National Institute of Mental Health, and he is also the chair of the White House Commission on Complementary and Alternative Medicine Policy and a clinic professor of psychiatry and family medicine at Georgetown Medical School. He has authored or edited 10 previous books, including Unstuck, Your Guide to the Seven-Stage Journey Out of Depression. He's also written for a range of publications, including New York Times, The Washington Post, The Atlantic, and The Guardian, as well as a number of other professional journals. Please join me in welcoming Gordon to the show. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you very much, Les. Happy to be here. 
You know, one of the first uh, uh, statements that your book made to me that really stood out was the notion of trauma and the percentage of the population that had trauma. I was really struck by that. Oftentimes we can think of ourselves as um, um, in, uh, out of the weeds and into the clear, if you will, and we don't really see it, trauma as something that would be an everyday um, aspect of ourselves. But when I when I read the notion that you suggest where all of us has a traumatic element within us, that really struck me. Um, how did you how did you come across that realization? Well, you know, it, it's uh, it's something that's been um, dawning on me for a long time. But when I was when I was thinking about writing this writing the transformation, uh, I had outlines for several different books, not outlines, just outlines. I've been working on several different books, and I talked with someone, a very uh, sort of wise agent, because many people after the previous book I wrote on depression, people were saying, "Well, you know, that's a great book, and I love the techniques, but I, I really would like you to write a book for everyone." So I began to think about what does that mean, and then I was talking with this guy, who's a friend of mine, and uh, he said, "You know, you want to write a book for everyone." I said, "What are you best known for? What's the work that you mostly do?" And I said, "Well, it's with people who are traumatized, with whole communities that are traumatized, or countries, or regions." And he, and then as I was talking to him, I said, "Oh, that's it." Everybody has to deal with trauma. It just it just sort of all fit together that a book on trauma is a book for everybody because sooner or later, uh, all of us are going to deal with trauma. If it doesn't come early in life because we have abusive or neglectful or poverty-stricken families or because we're in a war zone or because we have a childhood, significant childhood illness, it likely will come when we're young adults or in midlife, and we have major disappointments, which are traumatic, the loss of a relationship that's important, a disappointment in our school or in our career, in the trajectory of our lives, or parents becoming seriously ill or getting divorced. More than half of uh, Americans get divorced, and I, I, I have yet to see a divorce that wasn't traumatic. And if it doesn't happen then, if we're not traumatized in early adulthood or midlife, we surely will be as we live long enough and deal with the frailty of old age and the loss of people we love and our own impending death. So it, it's clear to me that trauma is very much a part of life. And, and, and the more I thought about it, the more I realized, remembered, recognized that every traditional society that I know of on the planet and every major religious and spiritual tradition has this understanding as well. That trauma, and it's a Greek word that means injury or wound, is going to come to all of us sooner or later. So a book about trauma is really a book about dealing with the inevitable challenges that life brings all of us humans. Right. Well, for myself, it, it it really brought to me a time in my life that um, it took me a while to understand the, the mechanisms of it. Um, I My father passed away, my sister passed away, and I had uh, a few other uh, traumatic events in my life, and I had gotten back on my feet, so to speak. And I want the listeners to really consider this notion that you know when you when you're going through a struggle maybe you're born into a traumatic family or or later in life um you're experiencing the trauma and you get through it and you kind of recover and you take a deep sigh oftentimes we can think that we're done with it just because we get back on our feet just because a sense of normalcy comes back into our life but in my example, I had no clue how I don't know how to describe it like a like a low grade flu or a just a a, brack, a a background dullness or a sense of lethargic um, 
aspect to myself that I wasn't aware of because I had I'd made it through the storm, so to speak, and I got back on my own feet and I I quit tending to the notion that um there might still be lingering effects, significant lingering effects on my psyche and over time it it was made quite clear to me that oh hell yeah, I had I had a a lot of heaviness in my heart and had I not become aware of it and and stopped, slowed down and addressed you know, faced it head on, so to speak, I could have carried that heavy heart. And certainly that would have rippled into all my relationships and and my sense of self. So it's really a powerful notion to think, well, I'm okay now. Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm going to work. I'm paying my bills. But what if we all considered our, uh, the notion that there would be value in assuming there's aspects to ourselves that we're not aware of. Do you know what I mean? No, I think I think that's really important. And and the fact is, you were aware that you weren't at a hundred percent. You were, as you said, it was felt like kind of like a low grade psychological flu. Right. And I think the the point that I make early on in the transformation, and that's one that's really important, is to pay attention. We live in a society where we're supposed to tough it out and make it through and, okay, maybe we take a little bit of time to deal with it and then it's over. And that's kind of built into our psyches. And we need to pay attention to those more subtle signs as well as the obvious ones that something is still hanging around, that we're not totally present or that we're a little more anxious, a little more fearful than we were or that our sleep is disturbed. And we may may start to, uh, we should, begin to reflect on that and perhaps begin to use the kinds of techniques that I describe in the transformation that help us become aware of what's going on and also tell us what to do about what's going on. Because those answers are there within us, but we have to open ourselves to those possibilities. And, and one of the clues uh, is exactly what you said. Something is not quite right. So we need to take that seriously and not say, well, it should be okay, or I'm mostly okay. <laughs> Fine. But that doesn't solve the problem. That doesn't help you. Um, the, the, the subtitle of the transformation is discovering holds and healing after trauma. And the idea is if you pay attention those signs, those signals, those symptoms, they have a lot to teach you, not only about what's going on, but also about what you can do about what's happening and how you can move through and beyond trauma and learn whatever the lessons are that it has to teach. So, for example, if you've lost people who are very dear to you, as you had, and you you feel the, the, the pain and the sort of anguish of that, maybe you can be helped to learn a lesson to love more fully in the moment now, all the people who are left in your life. That's one of the things, certainly, that I've seen after I've lost people. It's excruciating as those losses are. If I pay attention to the lessons, they're reminding me that I have people in my life right now whom I need to be loving more, need to be more connected to. I like that. I really like that. Well, you know, while we're, while we're talking here, it it dawned on me that, so say you're born into a hostile family environment, and uh, and your parents, your mom and dad are are just treading water trying to get through whatever the heartache is and then and then you move through the family dynamic and get out on your own but what what my point is is um perhaps an, a new kind of measuring stick i mean because when people look at their lives and they and they try to measure how am i doing am i okay you know it um so often the notion can be well, well, 
there's no difficulty. I'm paying my bills. I'm I'm somewhat healthy, and I, I like the notion of flipping things upside down to see what the opposite would be. So what, like a measuring stick of of laughing out loud, a, a really deep bellied laugh, or a sense of excitement about your future, or a sense of joy about. Um, your relationships, you know what I mean? To because we can come um, in the example I use, the family dynamic would not have shown what a vibrant, healthy, um, high, you know, high energy, high excitement kind of persona would even look like, and so the measuring stick might not even be there to 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 tell if you're just breaking even or if there's some more healing to do. Yeah, no, that's that's certainly true. Uh, you know, it, the, the, in a sense, the the whole program in the transformation is designed for dealing both with those kinds of early life, uh, long term traumatic uh, distortions of what it means to be fully human, because your parents are far less than perfect. Right. As well as dealing with more immediate trauma that come later in life. <clears throat> so it's it's a whole process. And what you're describing is one from my perspective is one element of the process. The first thing is to come into some kind of physiological balance. And that's why I teach slow deep soft belly breathing right at the beginning. Uh and I teach that because it is an antidote to the fight-or-flight response, the kind of chronic anxiety that we feel, because it helps put us into a state of physiological and psychological balance. That is, if we simply breathe slowly and deeply in through our nose and out through our mouth for five minutes or so, it changes how we feel. But not only does it bring us into balance, it gives us the felt experience that we can make a difference in how we feel. And so for the kind of situation you described, where you've had parents who've, who, by virtue of the way they brought you up, you have a kind of lowered expectation for what's possible in your life. Right. You know, it, it's enough to just get through and pay, as you say, pay the bills and not be utterly miserable. But the experience from the beginning and this is a process it takes time right and effort not complicated but it does take time and effort the beginning is having a sense that things can change so when i do the soft belly breathing with people whether it's a you know a group of middle class people here in the united states or a group of kids in a war zone or a group of people in, uh, I was just in Puerto Rico where people's homes are destroyed by the recent earthquake, that 80% of the room, people in the room feel a difference after breathing for five or 10 minutes slowly and deeply. And it's like a light bulb goes on. I can make a difference. I'm not helpless. And if I can make one difference, the hope comes in also automatically. I don't have to preach to them that it is possible to make other kinds of difference in my life. That's crucial for the long, for dealing with the long-term uh, consequences of trauma that you were describing. And then all the other techniques become easier to use. There's more faith that you can make a difference in your whole life. And sometimes those techniques that break up the patterns, the fixed patterns of kind of low-level discouragement, if not depression, the pessimism, a technique like laughing, and I have a whole chapter on laughing in the transformation, is enormously powerful. It breaks the spell. Right. So all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're kind of schlepping along, and you're kind of morose. <laughs> and, you know, okay, this is, life is not so easy. And, and, and you do a few minutes of that belly laughter, and that spell is broken, at least for a few more minutes. And it's like a light bulb is going on. Oh, I can do something about what's happening in my life. 
The other thing about laughter that's really important, and one of the reasons why I emphasize it, is because it gives us a whole other perspective, especially if we can laugh at ourselves a bit, on all the things that we take so seriously that weigh us down. So I find when I'm taking myself seriously now, it's almost become a reflex. I'll start laughing at, oh, I'm worried about this, and I'm thinking about that, and I'm obsessing about the other thing. And I'll start laughing at myself, <laughs> and the pattern starts to break. Right. So laughter is very helpful. Also, the other active, expressive meditations that I teach, like shaking and dancing. We were talking about this this morning in the office here. We are talking about concerns about the coronavirus, which are very real, about COVID-19. You know, everybody here, certainly in D.C., is concerned about it and trying to be more careful with the way we're, you know, what we're touching and who we're touching and how we're touching them and all the rest of it. And the anxiety is understandable, but it doesn't do any good to be anxious all the time. Right. And so I said to my staff, I said, okay, it's not, we've shared our anxieties. That's great. But now let's stand up and shake our bodies for about five minutes and just shake off some of the tension. And that that did it. So it's not denying the concerns about the virus or anything else. But it's also breaking a fixed pattern of obsessively worrying that does absolutely no good. Right. And in fact, clouds our mind rather than clears it. All that worry. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. I shouldn't do the other thing. Well, that's, that's a state in which you're actually going to wind up doing the things you shouldn't do because you're so anxious, you're not thinking straight. Right. You're just thinking in a kind of confused and anxious way. If you can break that pattern, then you can really bring the full powers of your mind, your rational mind, and your imagination to dealing with whatever challenge is there. So expressive meditations, which are a form of meditation that we don't know too much about in the, in the sort of uh, so-called civilized West, but that every indigenous people on the planet and every great spiritual tradition honors those active physical body meditations. Laughing is one, shaking the body is another, fast, deep breathing, whirling, jumping up and down and shouting. All of those help to break up these fixed patterns and energize our bodies. And they're very important, very useful. And in the transformation, I teach a number of them step by step and teach you how to do them. Anybody can do them. Yeah, I really like the um, the context and the format of the transformation. It's a, I feel it's a very powerful book in, in its simplicity and and yet in its power as well because the, the steps are are easily um engaged and uh, and the approach is very palatable if you will you're not asking us to do uh, a, a thousand mental push-ups a day and and whatnot and and just to just to touch on that notion of breaking the pattern, uh, we, we talked about breathing. We talked about um, laughing, and then the uh, um, meditations. What's so nice about introducing these new um, modalities, if you will, for yourself, is you can actually start to get some discernment, and I, that discernment can give you some clarity of not only is there another possible experience, because breathing will bring you to a state of rest and and reduce stress in your body, and your body can certainly enjoy that. But the notion of when you're at that state of rest and then the door flies open and the trigger walks in the room and you and the trigger launches you back into that cyclic pattern of of trauma when when you're more cognizant of the transition it helps you become more mindful of 
how you experience that event. And when you're more mindful, it allows you new choices that wouldn't be there if it was a subconscious reaction. So these are these are very powerful suggestions you have for us. Good. No, I'm I'm really glad. And that's what I that's what I intended when I wrote the book. I wanted to be accessible to everyone. Good job. I have I know lots and lots of teenagers now are reading the book, and they're finding it very useful, and they're you know they're learning the techniques, and they're many of them are teaching it to other kids and teaching it to their families, and we're training teenagers to do this work. So, and it doesn't you know if you can read and if you can't read, you can listen to the book. You don't have to even be literate. Right. I've, I've, I've taught these techniques many places around the world, both to children who are too young to read, and I'm not the only one who's taught it. Our, our faculty and people we've trained, maybe six, 7,000 people we've trained around the world, have been using these techniques with people of all ages and all levels of education. So you don't need any formal education at all to do these, learn these techniques and to use them effectively. The, the other thing I just wanted to mention in connection with the triggers, with uh, you know some event that comes up that reminds us of what traumatized us. So somebody doesn't say hello to us on the street who we know, and it reminds us of when we were neglected or abandoned by our parents or when we had a breakup with, of a relationship and the person didn't want to have anything to do with us. That's a trigger. So... Yes, we may feel that sense of abandonment, just as if it were not somebody ignoring us on the street, but a, a deep, early emotional hurt. Okay, we need to, as you're suggesting, we need to become aware. This is what's happened. And then meditative practice of any kind, whether it's soft belly breathing, or shaking and dancing, or going for a mindful walk, will help us relax with this experience, and then we can find out what we should do about it by doing one of the imaginative or intuitive exercises that I teach, like using guided imagery, imagining, and it's a a several-step experiment or exercise that I teach in the transformation, imagining you're in a safe place relaxing in that safe place, breathing deeply in that safe place, and then imagining that a guide comes to you, a guide who represents your unconscious or your intuition or your imagination or your inner knowing, however you want to think about it. But you imagine that a guide comes who might be a person or an animal or an image or a figure out of scripture or myth that represents this inner knowing, and then you can begin a dialogue with that guide, and you say, okay, uh, I've been, I was just on the street, somebody whom I knew didn't say hello to me, it got me really upset, it brought me back to childhood when my parents were uh, neglecting me, what do I do? What do I do about that? And then your guide, and this is perhaps amazing to people when they first begin, the guide will give you an answer. And the guide may be, I have, a lot of my guides are kind of smart asses because <laughs> I grew up in New York City, so they sometimes sound like waiters and delicatessens on the Lower East Side. And they'll say, so my guide might say to me, well, what do you think you should do? I said, well, what do I? I said, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. And my guide says, come on, stop playing dumb. What do you think? And I'm saying, okay, well, I need to look at the next person on the street. I need to, or I need to appreciate the that I'm breathing and the beautiful day that it is and the fact that I'm sitting in a comfortable chair. Right. And my guide say, that's good. That's a start. Anything else that you can think of? I said, yeah, I can think of. You know, why do I worry about this person? Why don't I reach out to somebody else whom I haven't seen for a while? That seems like a good idea to me. Right. And the guy says, now you're coming along. Do you have any idea who that person is? I say, yeah, it's my brother Andy. I haven't talked with him in a while. 
and we always have a good time when we do. So it goes like that. Sure. And it's, it's and this works. We, we do this, you know, we've done this literally with thousands and thousands of people. And at first it maybe it seems a little weird. And, but after a while, as you start to get into this, the guide some, will start giving you information. Sometimes at first people will say, well, I didn't get a guide, but I went to a nice, safe place, and I felt very good there. I said, great. It's their message there for you. I said, well, the message is that it's, I have a capacity to make myself feel better. Fantastic. That's a beautiful antidote to having been triggered. So the answers are there, and they'll get more complex, more comprehensive as time goes on. But we have that capacity if we're willing to see that the trigger, although painful, can also be our teacher. Right. We can take it as a kind of jumping off point to start looking at what's going on and what we can do. Right. And you also talk in the book, I mean, you're talking about um, starting this dialogue with with uh, t- to get suggestions and ideas for yourself. In the book, you talk about um, angels in in flesh, and um, and animals, and um, in other words, that um, the mechanisms that um, are supporting you through your trauma today might not be um, in your awareness. And what I liked about the book is how it how it says, "No, wait a minute." I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but basically there's support mechanisms woven into your life. And when you look with fresh eyes, you can start to recognize some of these um, resources that are with you today that you might not be aware of. And to and to bring that to light to somebody who's going through struggle seemingly alone can can really transform their journey in the, in the day in the moment and so I, I really like that context that you included Great. in the book thank you so the the angels the angels who were the skin wearing angels is a a uh, a phrase from somebody I write about a friend of mine now we've become very good friends called Maya in the book and she was subject to the most unbelievable kinds of abuse as a child. And uh, one of the things that she discovered uh, is that one thing she was able to do is to reach out to other people beyond her very disturbed and abusive mother, but to, to recognize other people in her environment, adults in her environment, who might have something to give her. And I think this is something all of us can do. I, I've certainly observed this in my life, is that if, if I just open myself to the possibility of asking for help, which is not always so easy, particularly for us adults, and perhaps particularly more for men than for women, uh, but if I can recognize somebody and I reach out to them, it, it makes such a huge difference. And often those people, in my experience, are so happy that I'm reaching out to them. Right. So I, I think this is something that we neglect, that we don't, that we don't do nearly enough. Uh, and the, the other piece is that it's just sometimes nice as, to be aware of the difference that people can make to us. So, for example, uh, I noticed when I was going through major challenges in my life, if, uh, if somebody at the checkout counter at the supermarket was nice to me, and I could really just take that in and appreciate it. It's like, okay, the human race has not disappeared on me. <laughs> Everything's not hopeless. You know, it's possible to connect with another human and to have a, a nice interaction. And I found that for, it wasn't just the food. It was the person who was nourishing to me. Right. And this is really, I, I think we need to recognize what other people have to offer us. And the other side of it is, what we have to offer other people. When uh, I work with a group of people, what I see very often is it's not only what people in the group can offer that person X, it's person X has something to offer to other people. 
And it's not in terms of advice or telling them what to do or trying to fix them. It's simply by our being a human with other people that they feel they feel a certain sense of connection and a certain sense of pleasure and and satisfaction and yes nourishment from just the interaction. So I think we need to become more aware of that. You know, we're we're built. Human beings are built genetically in our DNA to be with other people. Our species evolved in small groups. The anthropologists call them bands, B-A-N-D-S, of 30 to 50 people. So that's the way we're meant to be, and that's nourishing to us to be with other people. We don't live that way, most of us. I mean, some people still do, but very few. one of the things that's very striking to me, and I've worked with indigenous people and people in sort of more, still more, we're, we're the joint family, three, four generations of people living together where that's still happening. Those people have the kinds of connections that we, we simply don't have. They have a lot less depression. Not that they don't have problems, right. but they don't have that those chronic, nagging, depressed states. They don't feel isolated. When, when we're traumatized, the single most important part of our healing, all the techniques I teach are enormously valuable, and we also need to recognize the crucial importance of other people. And part of what I do my best to help people do is to reach out to other people, to take that chance to connect with people who come to your mind as those who might want to hear from you who might want to be helpful, who might want to see you again. So this is also an important part of trauma healing. Well, I like that you pulled in the the uh, multi-generation family dynamic because uh, for myself, um, my ex-wife and I both were born into basically train wrecks. I remember being at my dad's funeral and my sons, both my sons said, well, grandpa's just an angry old man. And I couldn't argue with them too much, but um, I don't think they understood why he was. And and my, my uh, wife at the time's family dynamic was a very uh, tr- traumatic environment. And her and I both kind of um, made a pledge or whatever, or set an intention to heal as much as we can during our our cog of the wheel, our cog of the generational tree, and 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 through our own intention, um, raise the the family dynamic up. So, um, the question I have for you is to take a big step back to. So often when we're working through trauma and and we feel overwhelmed, we've got these four or five issues, irons in the fire that are really consuming us. And here we are in, in this 2020 era where we can listen to podcasts about people who've gone through this kind of traumatic work. Um, in your book, you you really look at the family dynamics of some of this um, imprinting. Have you noticed um, a link to um, generational uh, health disorders and the transformation of those? Because for me, it seems like if the family dynamic has some really deeply ingrained anger, that's going to manifest consistently from generation to generation in some form of dis-ease. When people... When people can heal the trauma of the family dynamics of several generations, what kind of changes have you noticed? Well, I, th- I think there are very significant changes in 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 the transformation. I teach you teach people teach readers how to use a, and create a genogram, a family tree, and then how to look at look at that and look for answers to problems and also how to look for the opportunities to heal what's been damaged. So as you look at the family tree, it uh, let's say the, the pattern you're describing, the pattern of anger. 
what I would suggest to to your to your sons perhaps is is to, to look at that to see what part of it is manifest and, and to you to any of us who have that pattern to see what part is manifest in us and then potentially to look at the family tree to see where healing might come from of that pattern of anger that's transmitted and these patterns are transmitted both uh, socially, interactionally, from grandparent to parent, perhaps to child. There are also patterns can be transmitted uh, through the chromosome. There are these epigenetic changes, changes in our chromosomes that happen when we've been under a great deal of stress that make us more vulnerable to future stress, and those changes can be transmitted as far as we know, for at least two generations. And I described some of the research that's been done on these epigenetic changes. Those changes can be reversed by the techniques that I teach in the transformation, by meditation and guided imagery and movement and dance and exercise. They can all, and group support, can all help to reverse those changes. So that's one piece. The other piece is to look at the genogram look at this pattern of anger and say, is there some one, some interaction in the genogram or are there other people, other beings, other experiences, pets perhaps, who should be in there to help heal that pattern? So for example, healing the pattern of, of anger, you might, there might be an aunt who was very kind, who was not you know, not affected by this pattern. Right. And so you might say to yourself, well, I really need to connect more with that aunt and with the quality of kindness that's there in that aunt that I can also feel in myself because I had interactions with her when I, when I was a kid. So the genogram, the family tree, can help highlight some of the things that are still troubling us on the one hand but also help us find solutions to those troubles. And it's, it's, it's extraordinarily powerful um, doing that. that. That's not, it may not be the complete healing because then you may want to ask your wise guide, or you mentioned earlier a dialogue with a symptom. You might want to do a dialogue with anger and see what to do about the anger. And I, I, again, I describe in detail how to do that dialogue in the transformation. And what may come up is anger may say, well, you got to let it out. Your grandpa sat around and he was angry all the time and simmering all the time, like smoke coming out of his ears. <laughs> Nobody wanted to be near him. Right. But, but maybe if you can let out the anger that's still there and you jump up and down and scream and shout for 10 minutes every day for a week or two, maybe that will relieve you and you won't be so burdened. You won't carry around grandpa on your shoulders all the time. And you can finish with it. So I think, you know, the, it was, as once we become aware, then there's this whole um, guidebook full of techniques to deal with what we've become aware of. That's why I wrote the transformation the way I did. So you can use the different techniques and you can pick one that suits you. So you may want to start with a genogram with a family tree to help you discover what's going on and who can help you with it in the family. And then you may want to use some of the expressive techniques to deal with the feeling that's still there inside you. So it's a, it's a whole, and it's a, such an interesting path. It, it actually dealing with trauma and dealing with these things that we, that we find burdensome can actually be very freeing, not only freeing of the burdens, but interesting and exciting and, open up whole new possibilities for who we are and who we can be. Well, and improve your quality of life, improve how much you enjoy life. I really like that. You know, um, and w what what I was very delighted to see in the book, and again, the, you've done a wonderful job with this book. It's, it's such a, a good read, is you've, um, you were able to get um, – case studies where you could 
really quantify the effect in a in a in a controlled condition, if you will. Um, you, you got some really tangible feedback because so often in our in our Western um, style, we can go in with some kind of an ailment and they take you know say well take Prilene 12 or some other concoction and and numb yourself out and we'll consider you as good as you can be. But in in the book, you had some opportunities to do some um, uh, very controlled. Um, yeah. Case studies. T- talk to us about that. Sure. We, we we've done um, we've done research that we've published in peer-reviewed journals, which is the where you're supposed to publish scientific research using the same method that I teach in the transformation with war-traumatized children, adolescents, and adults in both Kosovo and Gaza, and we have a new study that will be out soon on U.S. veterans or traumatized U.S. veterans. Nice. And we also have studies that we've done using this method with medical students who are, you know, dealing with a fair amount of stress but don't have the kind of massive trauma of people who've been through a war. And what we see is that people who use these tools and techniques, uh, and it, it, admittedly they're using them in a group setting, Use these and learn these tools and techniques, the same ones that are in the transformation, and use them over a period of 10 or 11 or 12 weeks. Uh, feel much less anxious. They have improved mood. They are more optimistic about the future. In one study, their stress hormone levels are lower than people who don't use these techniques when they're faced with a challenge. And of the people who begin these groups using these techniques, begin them with the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder, no longer qualify for that diagnosis after 10 or 11 sessions of using these techniques and and some home practice as well. So, yeah, we've published maybe 15 studies uh, on both war-traumatized populations and on medical students' in, in uh, medical students at Johns Hopkins and Georgetown and University of Washington, Duke, other places who are using these tools and techniques. So, yeah, the, the data is there, and it stands to reason because each of these techniques that I'm teaching that I describe in the transformation by itself has the capacity to decrease anxiety, improve mood, help you be more functional, more sleep better, deal with stress better. So it stands to reason that when you start putting three or four or five or half a dozen of these together in a comprehensive program, that you're going to get very good results. And that's what we're seeing consistently. Well, you know, um, what you're describing is the the basic template of a reality TV show. <laughs> You've got eight, uh, ten to twelve weeks. You've got a gr- you've got a group of people. You've got issues. I mean, the trauma itself, and you have this process of personal transformation. I mean, I can see it now. The transformation TV series and people. You'd want to vet them a little bit to make sure they have a little skin in the game. But what a wonderful way to let people watch the process because you know I, I go back to this notion that we don't know we don't know how good we could be because we've we've come to a, a neutral ground that's not painful and we stop we stop the the healing process we stop the the intent to get better because our life is so much better than where we were and and we we settle into an equilibrium but imagine a tv show where you in in the first week you see the the heartache in the people and the and the lack of joy and then and you and you watch them transform themselves and at the end of the game as you're saying 80% of the people have a different persona that they wear every day, and to see that transformation, that sounds pretty powerful. 
A, a beautiful idea. You know, there's actually a couple of documentary filmmakers who want to film our work, but I like this idea. I mean, they want to come and see the different projects we're doing. We're now working with an opioid devastated county in, in Western Maryland here. We're going out there tomorrow. We're training 170 people in the county to do exactly this work that we're talking about, the program that I describe in the transformation. And they'll be working their first responders, their teachers, their doctors, their nurses, their former addicts, their people uh, who are working with addicts, all these different groups of people. They're teachers in a college, and they'll be using it with the whole county. But I, I, I love the idea of doing exactly what you're describing, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to push that one. Uh, you know, I think that what you're saying is is absolutely right. That that this process of transformation not only gets us back into balance and gets us feeling good, it opens us to all the possibilities that are there inside of us. This is a natural healing process. And the, the work of the transformation, my job, the reason I wrote the book, is not only to help people recover from trauma and become more resilient, but to explore and to be open to all those possibilities that you're talking about. And I have seen this happen again and again and again and again with people of every age and every ethnicity and many, many parts of the planet where we're working. So it's, a, it's the promise. It's what it is you know, to be human, is to go through our challenges and come out not, not decimated, but, but enhanced. No matter, you know, even when it's excruciatingly difficult, it is possible, and the people I write about, as well as the data we have and that I present in the transformation, I, I hope makes it clear to, to everyone who reads, and it's, it's like an invitation to this possibility. Oh, yeah, and and for, to, for people to observe it happen, I mean, I think there's something that happens that's kind of, it's kind of like an unspoken I don't know education, unspoken um, resolution when within yourself when you observe others overcoming struggle. There's this invisible or perhaps inherent sense of hope that that touches your persona, your condition, your circumstances. So I don't. I I think. One of the one of the nice things about what you're doing here, from my perspective, is you're taking something that is is, as you say, across the board in our human story, and and you're not um, you're not picking you you're um, you're taking the notion of trauma. And, and regardless of the background of that trauma, you bring again. Your book has such grace to it. You're bringing this this mythology, this method of personal transformation, and and the context is because you're a human, because because you have flesh and bones, because as you say, I I think in so many ways we're the walking dead in the sense that we quit looking for growth because we finally broke even. And so I, I'm, I'm very impressed with the potential of this book and I, I think it's going to hit the mark well. Great. I'm so happy to hear that. That's people, you know, if people want to look at some videos too, they can look on the center for mind, body medicine website, CM bm.org. There are videos of people who are going using these techniques and going through this experience. And um, we have, I want to add also, we have some groups in person. I know uh, there's at least one person, and actually several, in your, in, you're in Salt Lake City? I'm in uh, Colorado. In Colorado. Well, there are, probably, there are people in Colorado. I'm sorry, I thought you were in Salt Lake. There are people all over the United States. They can look at our website who are leading groups. They're using the transformation as the text, and they're leading mind-body groups. We have online groups that are available. Uh, look on our website. 
And for people who want to use this method to help other people, you start by reading the transformation, but we have training programs as well. And you can look on the website, see where our training programs are, and we welcome people who want to learn this method for themselves and then share it with others to come to our training program. Next one's in Minneapolis uh, in July, this July. I mean, we have training programs for specific communities, and then we have open training programs every year in the United States, and this is an open training program. So people are welcome to come. They can see what I'm up to. It's James MD is his website and Twitter and Instagram. So you can see how this work plays out. Um, and it's the idea is to what I'm sort of inviting everyone to do is to read the transformation. And if you know, if you want more, a lot more that we have to offer as well. There's plenty in the transformation, and and there's more opportunities too to be part of a community that is using these tools and people who are coming together to understand and help themselves and share with one another and share what we're learning as widely as possible. And we have, for people who are concerned about uh, money, as many people are, we provide partial scholarships both to our online groups and also to our trainings if, if, if finances are a significant issue. Well, that's beautiful. You read my mind because I wanted to be sure you shared with the audience how to connect with you and the and the resources and services that you offer. So I'm so delighted. And, and, and I'll do a plug for Amazon too. The book is only fourteen bucks on Amazon. There you go. Well, so it's I'm happy for that. It's twenty six or twenty seven when you buy it. If you have a great neighborhood bookstore, patronize them. But if you don't. Go to Amazon because it's inexpensive there. Right. Well, an hour can go by pretty fast. Um, I want to. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts you want to share with our audience? Well, I, just that I I enjoyed talking with you. I like because uh, your approach is very very personal, and that's what this is about. That the book is really, I hope, will feel like a, a meeting and a conversation between me and the reader. That's what I designed it to be. So I hope that you'll, as you read the book, you'll feel me there with you as you're going through whatever you're going through, meeting whatever challenges you have, and that I'm there, that I'm sort of on your side. I'm, I'm with you, encouraging you to, to learn and to grow and to be who you can be. Well, thank you, James. It's really been a pleasure having you as our guest on the show tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Les. Pleasure for me, too. We've been talking with Dr. James Gordon, and the topic tonight has been The Transformation, the title of his latest book. What a delightful conversation. I really like the, I guess compassion would be the word I would choose. James certainly has a compassion for our human condition. He's targeted um, depression in one of his previous books, and this book is targeting trauma. These are deep issues in the human psyche. And what I really like about his approach is he's recognizing that we all have traumatic imprinting in our psyche. We all have the residue of trauma from our past. And so I really suggest to you that to take the steps in the book, The Transformation, and just assume, like we said on the show, that you've got a low-grade flu, that there's another tier, there's another octave, there's another level of consciousness yet to be discovered within you. And even though you might not see it directly, even though you might not recognize the symptoms of it, if you step through the motion of assuming it's there and then and then take action to heal it, to bring a, a better sense of wholeness and healing to your own persona, that's going to ripple into the rest of your life in a very positive way. My passion is to bring you episodes just like this one here. I created the New Human Living platform because... 
I have a sense of uh, legions of mystics and sages and alchemists that awaken in the everyday populace. The, the mythology of our religions and our masters and sages have all pointed to this notion of the inner awakening, the, the inner potential of every single persona on the planet. New Human Living helps you set a goal for yourself that's, that's, that's worthy of your potential. Typically, these goals are much bigger than our... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.